0: Yes, you're listening to Life 101, where we live in faith every day. This is Line Upon Line, where we study God's Word line by line. And I'm your host, Pastor Adrian. 28 verses 9 and 10 says whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine and then he answers them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts for precept must be upon precept precept upon precept line upon line here a little and there a little If you're serious about your walk with God, and you want to understand true doctrine, it's time to get your Bible and follow along as we study God's Word. It's time to be weaned from the milk. Get your Bible, tell a friend, tell your pastor about this study, and let's get into God's Word, line upon line.
1: To the end of 2nd Isaiah. We'll open with a word of prayer and then we'll get right into the study. Our Heavenly Father, great God, we pause before we begin this study to thank you, to just acknowledge the incredible blessing it has been to study this book, uh, the 2nd Isaiah, line by line, to be instructed by this ancient prophet and the vision that you gave him of the world anciently in his time. Through to our time and beyond and we just pray father that you'll bless our study this evening as you have previously and just uh help us father to have this full understanding and insight and vision that you gave to the prophet we praise you we thank you we ask this blessing now in jesus most holy name amen so last week brethren we were in uh isaiah 63 and 64 and I just want to go back there by way of reminder, just to give us context to what we're going to study now in 65 and 66. So uh, the prophet had this question. He's, he saw a vision of a glorious being in glorious apparel, and that apparel was bloodstained. And as glorious as the apparel was, this, this mighty being didn't seem to care that there were bloodstains all over his apparel. And so he's asking this question, who is this that comes from Edom, and and specifically, We located edom as a point of uh, importance a point of uh, significance and here he says um, who is this that comes from edom with dyed garments from bosra this that is glorious in his apparel traveling in the greatness of his strength and then the lord answers i that speak in righteousness because there's been a lot of blasphemy and we when we look in the book of revelation this this beast power has been speaking nothing but blasphemy. And now this blasphemy is put to an end and God is the one to say, I speak in righteousness and he's going to put the world right mighty to save. So all of this rhetoric against the people of Israel has been rhetoric against God and God identifies the enemies of Israel as his enemies and he is mighty to save and he is in fact coming to save his people in righteousness. He's going to do this in righteousness. And then the prophet asked, well, why are you red in your apparel and your garments like him that treads the wine flat? So the the prophet wants to understand, why why is this your condition? And so he says, "Uh, I have trodden the wine press alone. So this was a thorough job that I had to do myself. And of the people, there was none with me and this is why christ in fact had to come to earth he is the only one that could be the savior for israel and ultimately for all mankind for i will tread them in my anger he's furious and trample them in my fury and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments and i will stain all my raiment so this this the 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 beauty of the raiment is irrelevant this mission and this purpose and this righteousness must be accomplished And then we went to Ezekiel 35 to see Ezekiel's understanding of the prophecy against Edom and against Esau. Son of man, set your face against Mount Seir. So the people of God are against Mount Seir because God is against Mount Seir and prophesy against it. Now, we didn't cover this last week, but just to, again, highlight the importance of Edom in the end time. And in the book of the Bible, begins in genesis and goes all the way to revelation and we need to have that that long longitudinal view that everything begins in genesis and it's not concluded until revelation and so there is this perpetual hatred that esau has for his brother and this perpetual hatred is what god comes in the end to resolve and so here in genesis 36 we see that thus dwelt esau in mount seir so now we cut. this is how we came to understand that esau is mount seir that he migrated to mount seir and then moses writes esau is edom so whenever we see prophecy against edom this is esau and whenever we see mount seir this is esau in deuteronomy 33 2 he says and he said the lord came from sinai and this is that sinai which is in arabia and rose up from seir unto them he shined forth from mount paran and he came with ten thousands of saints from his right hand went a fiery law for them. So as it was anciently, so it will be in the future. And in fact, even in Deuteronomy, Moses is prophesying of the end time. So we see very clearly if we don't understand Edom, if we cannot locate Esau, if we don't understand the ideology of Mount Seir, the the law of Mount Seir, then we're not really gonna understand how the prophecies are unfolding in this end time. In Judges, we we read this of Deborah's uh, song praise you the Lord for the avenging of Israel so that's that's why he comes to Mount Seir to avenge Israel that's why he has blood on his garments because he is avenging Israel He says, Praise you, the Lord, for the avenging of Israel, when the people willingly offered themselves. So this happens anciently; It also is prophetic that the people will finally come to this place where they give themselves wholeheartedly to God. Hear you, O kings, give ear, O you princes. I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. And we know the 144,000 in the end are going to be singing praises to the God of Israel. Lord, when you went out of Seir, so this is the God, God comes out of Seir. When you marched out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled. So there was a a work that was accomplished in Edom and Edom was put down. And this was a mighty work of God because Edom is the power in the end time that the world must contend with. And when God puts him down, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. The clouds also dropped water. And just again here in Habakkuk, God came from Taman and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. So uh, there's constant this prophecy about the insignificance of Esau in the end time. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. Amos says, but I will send a fire upon Taman, which shall devour the palaces of Basra. So Edom or Esau just keeps featuring in the accomplishment of god in the end time when he establishes the earth in righteousness that the opposition of esau is finally put down once and for all so with that as context then we see uh, that the, the enemy of god the, the chief enemy of god and the ideology of esau is finally put down in the end time and then towards the end of uh, 64 we see this repentant israel Uh, appealing to God or the repentant within Israel appealing to God and we read the prophet saying but now O Lord you are our father there is this acknowledgement that we this is he speaking on behalf of Israel are the children of God you're our father we are the clay and you are our potter so Isaiah in understanding the whole process that Israel has come through from the rebellion in Moses time all the way through the kings and the rebellion with the various kings and against the prophets. And then Isaiah has this view to the future, and he comes to this conclusion that, in fact, Israel, the people of Israel, the tribes of Israel, are like clay in the hands of a potter. And that all of this has been a process that God has been bringing Israel through in order to shape them into the kingdom of priests that he intended right from the beginning. So all the way back to Exodus 19, I believe it's verses 5 and 6, from the very beginning, when that covenant was established that they would be a kingdom of priests, it's been a long road, a long winding road, a treacherous road. But God is faithful to his covenant to Abraham, and he will carry it out in Israel. And so ultimately, uh, this is what's going to happen. And this is why Esau can have nothing to do with God in the end time. Esau wants to put forward that God has abandoned Israel. And that his tribe, in fact, is the tribe. And his ideology is the ideology. And, and this is why we cannot say that these people share the Abrahamic faith. They don't. They, they, the Abrahamic faith is to believe in the covenant that God has with Abraham. And, and, and that God will not go against his own word. That he exalts his word even above his own name. That, that God is God because of the attention, that the, 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 the righteousness and the truth. That he applies to his word, that he will, it's impossible for him to lie. So, God, Abraham heard what God said and believed God. And it was a tra- accredited to him for righteousness. And so, that's the original relationship between the Abrahamic covenant between Abraham and God, that Abraham believed God's word. And so, if we're of the Abrahamic faith, we believe God's word. And we do not believe that God is going to abandon his word or that God is going to act against his word or that God is a liar. We don't believe these things. And so the the prophet is coming to this realization that this has been a process and we are the clay and you are our potter. And so all of this has been a process. It's all been a necessary, as I mentioned before, Uh, they've had to go through the uh, washing machine and there's been some rough and tumble to get them to this place where they can be clean. And we all are the work of your hand and we all is Israel. He's not speaking mankind in general. He's speaking specifically of Israel. Be not wroth or angry, very sore. So they deserve God's anger. But he's pleading with God not to be so angry with them. Neither remember iniquity forever or our iniquity. That he's acknowledging we've been iniquitous. We have been a very rebellious, stubborn, wicked people. But please don't remember this forever. Behold, see, we beg you. We are all your people. Again, speaking of Israel. Your holy cities are a wilderness. So the whole focus is on Israel and the relationship that Israel is supposed to have with God, and they just do not have this relationship. And so he says, Your holy cities are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness. Look Look what this has come to. Uh, and, and so he's pleading, Look, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, a desolation. This, this, this is what our iniquity has done, that all the holy cities of God, the Edom and Esau, the, the Assyrian, uh, the, the enemies of God have come in and destroyed and just trampled through these cities and destroyed them. And, and now Zion is a wilderness. Jerusalem is a desolation, exactly, because that's exactly what Christ said, that uh, he wanted to gather Jerusalem like, like uh, chicks under his wings, but you wouldn't have it. And so you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And so now they're crying out for Christ to return. He says, our holy and our beautiful house where our fathers praised you. There really was this relationship uh, between the people of God and think when David established the kingdom and and they were a righteous kingdom and, and they had a real relationship with God. And you even think when his son Solomon took over and the intimacy between Solomon and, and Yahweh. Uh, this is all happened in Jerusalem. And our holy now, our beautiful house where our fathers praised you is burned up with fire. So somebody with an ideology that has no respect for Jerusalem, they, ch- they talk a good game. They, they chat, they talk. They, they, there's a lot of chatter. Uh, and they mention Jerusalem like they care about it, but they don't. They're happy to come in, surround it with armies, come in and burn it with fire. He says, and all our pleasant things are laid waste. So, you know, whatever religious ritualism that they had in place, it had no bearing. And you think of Jeremiah, I believe it's chapter 23, where they couldn't believe that the temple was going to be destroyed. And they just thought there was this sort of superstitious power that the temple had that it could never be destroyed. And God says, yeah, you go back and I place my name in Shiloh and you take a look at what I did to it. And that's what's going to happen to Jerusalem. And so now it happens. And we know that uh, Isaiah's prophecy or I- Isaiah's prophethood, his ministry would be ineffective until this time, until the, the cities are laid waste, until Jerusalem is a desolation. And at this point is when the people of God would finally be driven to a place of wholehearted repentance and this veil that has covered their eyes and the, these plugs that have plugged up their ears, these things can be lifted and they can really come to true repentance so that God is faithful to his covenant agreement with them, but he's also faithful to his covenant agreement with Abraham and he does not abandon them. The prophet asks, Will you refrain yourself for these things? Like, Look, look what's happened, God. This is your city, the city of peace. This is Zion. This is where we had a relationship with you, and now look what the the heathen have done. Will you refrain yourself for these things? And we know that he won't, because we just read in chapter 63 that he comes marching through uh, Basra and destroying Edom in order to save, mighty to save his people. So now this is the the, um, conversation that the prophet is having. Will you refrain yourself for these things, O Lord? Will you hold your peace and afflict us very sore? So he realizes uh, you're the potter. And even though it's the enemy that has this power over us, it's actually your, the enemy has no power over us except what you allow. And so this is now the um, the enemy that is working as a sword in your hand, as a tool in your hand. And so will, will you afflict us very sore? And then God answers. And, and listen to his answer. He says, I am sought of them that asked not for me. <laughs> so the people who are seeking me, they didn't ask for me. And I am found of them that sought me not. So, so I'm sought of them that didn't ask for me. And I'm found of them that didn't seek me. So this is a very strange situation that God is presenting to the prophet. I said, behold me, behold me, unto a nation that was not called by my name. So in other words, it seems that the prophet is foreseeing a time, or God is telling the prophet of a time, when because of the rebelliousness, because of the stubbornness of this people of Israel, that... God is actually going to have an access, or people outside of Israel are going to have access to him. And that is, in fact, prophesying of the relationship that God will have with the Gentiles. He says, I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people. And so we only need to read the Torah, and particularly Deuteronomy, and see this covenant, beautiful, intimate relationship That God has with Israel, and then read Judges, and then read Chronicles, read 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Samuel, and and just see, especially when you read through the Judges and the Kings, wow, how patient God has been trying to work with these people and how rebellious they are all day, the whole period, the whole period of their relationship, with, with a few minor exceptions. These people have been extremely rebellious. And so God is saying, look, I, I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walk in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. Now, the Apostle Paul, if we want to understand, you know, what is Isaiah talking about? The, prophet, the Apostle Paul actually quotes Isaiah and, and expounds on this passage. He says in Romans 10, verse 20, But Isaiah is very bold. And says, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest or obvious unto them that asked not after me. So, so there's a them. There's a category of people called them. But to Israel, another category of people. So, so there's Israel and then there's there are Gentiles. And, and what Paul is saying is, Isaiah is very bold. To say that God was found of the Gentiles. But to Israel, he says all day long i have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people now paul knows what he's talking about because he actually experienced it and if we look at acts chapter 13 verse 44 uh, he's, he's preaching to the jews but there are gentiles that are that are hearing the message as well and here in verse 44 of acts 13 the next sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. So Gentiles were hearing this as well. And on the Sabbath, when he came back to the synagogue to preach to the Jews, this, the whole city came, including the Gentiles. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. So they did not like this. They, they're the special people. They're the people that have the covenant relationship with God. And now they're seeing the scriptures being presented to the multitudes. And this makes them envious, uh, not, not just of the multitudes, but also of the effectiveness of the preaching of Paul and Barnabas. And so they spoke against those things which were spoken by Paul. So Paul is showing the scriptures, and they're actually opposing Paul's teaching, contradicting and blaspheming. These, this, is, this is the people of God. These are the people that Christ came to die for. And here they are contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. And so from Acts 13 now, really from Acts 12, but going forward from 13, we see Paul's ministry just grow stronger and stronger as he now leaves uh, Judea, and jerusalem and starts to go into asia minor what we call turkey today and throughout the roman empire because he was a roman citizen and so he could travel freely and he begins to spread the gospel throughout the gentile world but he went to the jew first and the jews rejected him and they say look because you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life so that's that's also a theme within isaiah that there are the people of god Who judge themselves unworthy of everlasting life lo we turn to the gentiles so back to isaiah 65 he says i've spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people this is what paul experienced which walks in a way that was not good after their own thoughts a people that provoke me to anger continually to my face this this is what god gets for the special relationship, the intimate covenant relationship that he has with this people. They provoke him to anger continually to his face. That sacrifice in gardens and burn incense upon altars of bricks. So they they went into the promised land, into the land of Canaan, and and they were to, to clear the Canaanites out and to not have anything to do with their pagan practices. But instead of going in and clearing out this filth, they actually participated in it. And so they were involved in all kinds of uh, evil, uh, ritualistic, cultish practices while still naming the name of Yahweh and putting the name of Yahweh on these, uh, these uh, pagan practices. So they sacrifice in gardens and burn incense upon the altars of brick. And there's a whole bunch of very unseemly behavior that goes with this worship, which remain among the graves. And lodge in the monuments which eat swine's flesh and broth of abominable abominable things is in their vessels and you know to this day a lot of jews eat terrible things and they seem to take pride in the fact that they eat all these things Uh, but this is this is an ancient thing that happened with israel which say stand by yourself come not near to me for i am holier than thou and that's you know a lot of these uh there's a lot that has uh, cascaded into our culture from isaiah and certainly this saying of you know one is holier than thou we can see how that this is where it came from i was actually shocked when i read oh that's where that comes from for i am holier than thou and certainly this was paul's experience when he's trying to bring scripture to them paul and barnabas and they're like get away from us don't come near us we're holier than you god says of them these are a smoke in my nose. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience where there's a lot of smoke somewhere and it gets in your nostrils and it's a very horrible experience. Uh, but that's what this, so God is saying. This is a horrible experience that I'm having with my people. There are smoke in my nose, a fire that burns all the day. Behold, it is written before me. I will not keep silence, but will recompense, even recompense into their bosom. So God is saying, look, I'm going to keep my side of the covenant. So let's go back and read the covenant agreement. And everything that I said I was going to do, I am going to do it. So I will not keep silence. I I will recompense into their bosom. Your iniquities and the iniquities of your fathers together, says the Lord, which have burned incense upon the mountains and blasphemed me upon the hills. Therefore, will I measure their former work into their bosom. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster. And you know, even to this day, uh, people don't realize that that much of the world's evil, or a lot of the evil in the world, uh, is actually uh, generated and promoted, uh, and 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 actually derived from the descendants of these people, these Jewish intellects. You know, you look at you look at an evil as something as evil as communism, a horrible evil in, in, in the last century, responsible for over 100 million deaths, absolute blasphemy and absolute evil. And it is children of these people, Jewish intellects, that were the architects of communism. And now when we're dealing with cultural Marxism in the West, again, Jewish intellects that are behind all of this. So a lot of people just think you know if somebody's jewish they're automatically righteous from reading isaiah we see that's not actually so that that a lot of the evil god is just so furious with his own people that he's warning them he's going to destroy them according to the covenant thus says the lord as the new wine is found in the cluster and one says destroy it not for a blessing is in it so will i do for my servant's sake that i may not destroy them all so he he realizes he has this covenant with israel and even though they deserve this destruction there's still a blessing within israel and so he's he's now working with israel again he's the potter they're the clay he's working with israel in such a way that he will drive them to repentance that they can they can come to repentance and in coming to repentance they will be able to be that blessing for the world which God intended in Exodus 19, so God God is uh, working with them, and 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 there's this realization that you, you you know don't destroy the whole cluster of grapes because there really is a blessing in it, and so He says, uh, "So will I do for My servants' sakes that I may not destroy them all." So, don't believe any person, any so-called prophet any ideology that says that the jews must be destroyed or that the people of israel must be destroyed isaiah tells us the exact opposite and 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 people want to you know i hear so many times people want to tell me how wicked uh the zionists are and how wicked the jews are and how these jews cannot be god's people because they're so wicked and whatever um accusations i hear these people tell me about the jews the the accusations of god are far worse that this is, this is child's play, the things they tell me, compared to the condemnation of God, of Yahweh himself. And yet he says he will not destroy them all, because there's actually a blessing in these people. That's the God of the universe, that he will not destroy them all. And he will bring forth a seed out of Jacob. He is the potter, this is his whole design, that this seed is going to come out of Jacob, the physical tribes of Jacob, He's going to bring forth a seed out of Jacob and out of Judah, an inheritor of my mountains. And my elect shall inherit it. And my servants shall dwell there. So God actually has an elect people that he has has elected them. And they shall inherit. They will be the inheritor of his mountains. And his servants, these people, these physical descendants of Israel will dwell in this land that he has promised. And Sharon, shall be a fold of flocks. So, so there is this uh, land called Sharon, and he's saying it's going to be a fold of flocks and the valley of Acor, a place for the herds to lie down in. For my people, notice, that have sought me. So, so he's turned to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles now have a place in this phenomenal plan of God that they've been grafted in to Israel. And the reason they've been grafted in is because of the blindness and the stubbornness of Israel that now God opened the door to the Gentiles to be grafted in. But God doesn't have another, a separate covenant with Gentiles. He only has one covenant and it's with Israel. And because of Israel's rebelliousness and stubbornness and wickedness, He has opened the door to the Gentiles so that the Gentiles can now be grafted in to the commonwealth of Israel. And you need to read that in Ephesians 2. So, Gentiles are grafted in but it's it's his elect his elect is Israel and his focus is always on Israel and then we see through Isaiah through Ezekiel through the prophets that Israel will repent and that even though he's found by those who did not seek him within Israel there is a repentance and it's going back to Deuteronomy 30 that these people will repent and come back to God and so he says, my people that have sought me, that, 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 and, and he's making a distinction now within his people. It's not just because you're a descendant of Israel that it's a, you, know, you just waltz into the kingdom of God. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. Because you're a descendant of Israel, yes, you have a privileged position in the whole plan of God. But if you don't repent, you will be destroyed so you have this privileged position and god is driving to repentance but if you don't repent if you don't seek god you will be destroyed but his people that have sought him they will inherit the land and we see uh, in isaiah 64 last week that this inheritance for israel no one fully understands what this is but we as christians are getting insight through the holy spirit but he says for since the beginning of the world men have not heard Nor perceived by the ear, neither has the eye seen, O God, beside you, what he has prepared for him that waits for him. So these people that actually turn to God and they're waiting for him, and and when he finally returns and they say, this is our God and we've waited for him, God has prepared something glorious for his people. He has prepared something glorious for his people. Christians, we are first fruits. We inherit first. But there's this whole harvest of Israel that God is working toward and and it's for everybody. Back to Isaiah 65. He says verse 11, "But you are they that forsake the Lord." So we see right here in the prophet's writing that within the people of God there is a separation. There are those that will repent and seek God and and, and acknowledge the, the him that they've pierced. But then there's this other group that have truly forsaken the Lord. Even though they are his people, they have forsaken him. He says, okay, you are they that forsake the Lord. So I'm going to prepare something beautiful for those who seek me. And there will be a blessing in the seed of Jacob. But you, within the seed of Jacob, you are they that forsake the Lord. So God will not destroy all of Jacob, but he will destroy some of Jacob. You are they that forsake the Lord, that forget my holy mountain. You, you, You have no concept or care about the plan of God in Mount Zion that prepare a table for that troop and that furnish the drink offering unto that number. Therefore, will I number you to the sword? So you will be numbered to the sword. And, And we have to understand that the prophet, even though he's an ancient prophet, he is speaking of our time today. And he says, I will number you to the sword and you shall bow down to the slaughter. And we just need to look at the way the world is going today and this global migration that's taking place, and how all the Western nations are just being invaded by peoples out of the Middle East and North Africa. Peoples with an ideology of Esau and Ishmael, that they, have, they this, this ideology governs this region. and they are coming out of these lands with this ideology, and that is the sword that God is going to use in the end time. And again, this is, you know, human beings come and go, but ideology is, it stays, it remains. And God speaks of this perpetual hatred which has been, uh, it has now been uh, documented in the Qur'an, it's been codified in the Qur'an. But this is, this is not a new hatred, this, this hatred has been there. And so he says in the Qur'an, make war on those who have received the Scriptures. Jews and Christians so so he is told to make war on those who have received the scriptures and and so these people who are who are pouring out of this region into all the western nations are are, and they're not being asked do they follow western values they're just coming they're just pouring in with an ideology that says they are to make war against Jews and Christians and that in fact is uh, 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 the 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 darkness that we see for our Christian brothers and sisters in the Middle East and North Africa? They are being persecuted on a daily basis. This this hatred is now being exported into all the Western nations, and uh, you know, hopefully, we can see what's coming, because it is through much tribulation that we enter into the kingdom of God. And so, if we look here now at uh, just a recent news item this week that I was looking at. European churches vandalized, defecated on, and torched every day. This is Europe. This is is wonderful. Let's just have all kinds of Middle Eastern and North Africans uh, migrate into Europe, and and they can come with their ideology, and it's all going to work out really well. And now, years later, this is where Europe is. And this is where North America is heading. This is where Australia is heading. This is where Ireland, the UK, all the Western nations. This is the sword that we must face. In Germany, four separate churches were vandalized and or torched in March alone. In this country, PI News, a German news site explained, there is a creeping war against everything that symbolizes Christianity. Now, hmm, I wonder why that is could that have anything to do with the Holy Scripture? They believe the Holy Scripture, the ideology, in the Quran that says make war on Jews and Christians. And so we, th- these people are noticing, they have no clue what's in the, scri- in, in the uh, Quranic Scripture. They have no clue what's in the book of Isaiah. They're just experiencing this. There is a creeping war. It's growing. It's gaining traction. There's a gre- creeping war against everything. There's a creeping war against everything that symbolizes Christianity. Attacks on mountain summit crosses, on sacred statues by the wayside, on churches, and recently also on cemeteries. In virtually every instance of church attacks, authorities and media obfuscate, that is to confuse, to hide, the identity of the vandals. In those rare instances when the Muslim or quote-unquote migrant identity of the destroyers is leaked, the desecrators are then presented as suffering from mental health issues. Oh, he just had psychological problems. Well, yeah, of course, if you're, if you're reading a book that teaches you to hate, then you're going to have psychological problems. So that, let's, let, let's not use that as an excuse. But hopefully, we can put two and two together. That Isaiah says, God is going to number you for the sword. And so these people who think they're clever, and even these people who are obfuscating what's really going on, they think they're clever, this sword is for them. And God says, I will number you to the sword. And so this is what's happening, that we are now seeing that uh, this, this whole uh, uh, approach of um, uh, ignoring the warnings of God, well, it's all coming to pass, that they are, and we talked about Kaibar last time. I didn't mention last week when I talked about Kaibar that in, at Kaibar, uh, Muhammad with his 12 year old wife spent the whole day while his people chopped off the heads of 800 Jews. And so the question was what to do with their wives. And so this was the, 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 the ruling of what, how to take the women for sex slaves. But, but all day long they chopped, these, these Jews would not accept Muhammad as their leader, as a prophet. And so the penalty for them was to have their heads chopped off. And so here we go. You know, This is the sword to, to make war on, on these people. And, and so that God says, I will number you to the sword. And now the Quran says, make war on those who've received the scriptures, the Jews and the Christians, but do not believe in Allah or the last day. And so this is, this is where we are, and this is what we're seeing. And hopefully we can all see it so clearly now that this, this, this global migration that's just all of a sudden just taking off, and it's crazy, and, 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 and countries are not allowed to have borders anymore, and, and, and this, this is obviously leading somewhere. And, and, and he says to them, you shall all bow down to the slaughter. So there's going to be a slaughter, that Jerusalem is going to be surrounded by armies, and, and this slaughter is not exclusive to Jerusalem. God is going to hunt down his people all over the world, and, and they are going to be numbered for this slaughter. Why? Because when I called, you did not answer. When I called, you did not answer. When I spoke, you did not hear. But you did evil before my eyes and did choose that wherein I delighted not. And again, in all the Israelite nations, we're seeing the leaders choosing those things that God does not delight in. Choosing abortion. Choosing adultery. Choosing divorce, choosing sodomy, choosing, all, choosing uh, pedophilia. They're choosing the things that God is like. So this, this is where we are now. This is where we see this um, migration is leading up to something. And hopefully, hopefully, we can see what this is. So when I spoke, you didn't hear. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my servants, they shall eat. So God is making a separation. He's making a separation within His people, among those that repent and acknowledge Him, and those that remain stubborn, within the tribes of Israel, within His people. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. He's speaking to His people. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but you shall be ashamed. So, so these people who refuse to repent, they're going to be brought to shame. Behold, my servant shall sing for joy of heart, but you shall cry for sorrow of heart and shall howl for vexation of spirit. So something there's a tragedy that's going to happen here. And Christ warned them. He says, your house is left to you desolate. He warned them, but this is coming. And in fact, uh, these, the, 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 there's this separation within the people of God. Malachi even speaks of this. In Malachi 4, he says, For behold, the day comes that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yes, all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. And this is Habakkuk speaks of this as well, that he sees this wickedness and this this pride and violence within the covenant community. And he thinks God isn't doing anything about it. And God says, yes, I am doing something about it. And so this is what's going to happen. And the day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch, so this is within the covenant community. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, says the Lord of hosts. So the wicked are not just the Gentile wicked. There are, there are wicked within the covenant community, and there's this separation Within the Gentile, within the covenant community, of those that actually repent and and love God and turn to God wholeheartedly, and those that refuse to repent. Back to Isaiah 65, he says, And you shall leave your name for a curse unto my chosen. I would maybe translate this, And you shall leave your name unto my chosen for a curse to you. So this special name of Israel, that they'll have to leave; they'll be excluded from this name. They will no longer be called by the name Israel, and and it's going to be the name for his servants, because God will be glorified in Israel forever. So so they're going to take the, this this name is going to be taken away from them, <clears throat> and he says that God, because uh, we know that that this is a special name, and they don't deserve to carry this name. He says, you shall leave your name for a curse to my chosen, for the Lord God shall slay you. This is, this is God he's speaking to his own people. Isaiah is telling them, the Lord God shall slay you and call his servants by another name. So God says there's another name that he's going to give to his servants. And we know from Revelation that this is a promise, that I, uh, I, you have a name written in your foreheads that no, nobody will know, that I'll give you this name. And he says, and the Gentiles here in Isaiah 62, in fact, we covered this already with Isaiah, back in chapter 62, the Gentiles shall see your righteousness, speaking of the people of Israel, and all kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. So when we read in um, Revelation, this, this promise of a new name, it's coming from Isaiah. In Genesis 12, this is, again goes all the way back to Abraham. And he says, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. So it's always been around this concept of the name, the name of Abraham, the name of Israel, that God is the Holy One of Israel. And then they're going to have this new name, but we know it's going to be tied to Israel. It's going to be tied to Abraham because God is going to be glorified in Israel. God is going to be glorified in Abraham forever. Going back to uh, Isaiah 65, he says that he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the god of truth and this word is very interesting this word truth that's translated truth is the word amen so he who blesses himself in the earth and again abraham will be the blessing to all the families of the earth but he that blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the god of amen in the god of amen and that's sort of to me it it brings to mind um Christ identifying himself as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, that he's the first and the last. He has the last word. He is the Amen. And so he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of Amen. And he that swears in the earth shall swear by the God of Amen, the God of truth, that when God speaks, you can say Amen, Amen to what God says. Nobody can prevent God's plan. And all these wicked people who are working against the Word of God, they are going to be put down. In fact, they're being used by God to carry out His purposes. But, but then they're going to be destroyed for their blasphemy. God is allowing it, and He's going to use it as part of this washing machine process. But they will be put down. Because God's Word, Amen. No one can stop it, and God identifies himself as God because he's the only one that can speak ahead of time and then make it happen exactly as he said. He says, because the former troubles are forgotten. We read in Revelation, he's going to wipe away all tears. All of these troubles, they're going to be forgotten, and because they are hid from my eyes. For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, So again, in in, uh, Revelation, when we read about God creating a new heavens and a new earth, this doesn't come out of nowhere. This comes out of the prophet Isaiah. For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. Imagine that. Everything that we know today about the earth and about the heavens, that when God creates this new heavens and new earth, we will never, ever, ever remember or even think about this even though the the creation is glorious to us now when it's left you know when we see the true uh glory of god's creation even though it is glorious it's going to be nothing compared to what's coming and we want to live in that new world we want to live in that glorious world that god is creating and so he's going to create this new heavens and a new earth and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind and this is the christian hope and this is we see peter when he uh, wrote in Second Peter 3, verse 13, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, there's a promise that he's made. We, we didn't just make this up. We were reading the prophecy in Isaiah. And so we, according to his promise, we look for new... Remember, they didn't have the book of Revelation yet. That came from the apostle John much later. What they had was Isaiah. And they saw the promise in Isaiah that we just read. And so we Christians, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. There is no wickedness in this new heaven and new earth. And so we finally do see this in Revelation 21, verse 1. And I saw, this is now it's fulfilled. John sees it happen. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth according to the promise. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So this, this is an ancient promise that we understand and we look forward to. He says, verse 18, But be you glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. This is, this is mind-blowing. This is going to be phenomenal. Be glad and rejoice forever. This, this you know, eye has not seen nor ear heard the things which God has prepared for those who wait for him. And and this is what's coming. And only with the Holy Spirit can we begin to grasp this. And so be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. So the people in Jerusalem, the people who inhabit Jerusalem, are going to be a joy to the whole world. Instead of this envy, instead of this anti-Semitism, Instead of this hatred and despising, all of that's going to be replaced. That when people realize Jerusalem is a joy to the whole world, that there's a level of joy that the whole world will have access to that they wouldn't have access to if Jerusalem was not right. And that's why God is coming to put Jerusalem right. So I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, that this new Jerusalem is going to be a place to rejoice and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem. God himself says, I'm going to rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. So I, so this is amazing. So in verse 18, we see that Jerusalem will be a rejoicing and her people will be a joy. But then God says himself, he will rejoice in Jerusalem and he will have joy in his people. That finally this washing machine process that has finally come to a conclusion. And we finally come to that place that Moses prophesied in Deuteronomy 30. When this finally happens, God is so full of joy that this is what he had in mind all along. This is what he had in mind from the beginning. And now it's finally accomplished. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Hence we have John, when he sees all of this fulfilled, he sees God saying, I will wipe away all tears that there will be no more crying because that, that whole former time is over. And all those who were trying to be something big and something significant in today's world, boy, did they get it wrong. Boy, did they get it wrong. And all those who followed Christ and waited for Him and looked for this new heaven, new heavens and new earth, boy, did we get it right. Did we ever get it right. And the, weep, the voice of weeping, and that weeping comes from the enemies of God. Who are, who are going to surround Jerusalem with armies and move in and slaughter and burn it down and make it desolate. That, that weeping comes from those people. But those people will be put down. And God will resurrect His people. And he will, he will have great joy in His people in Jerusalem. And the whole world will have joy in Jerusalem. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. There shall be no more there, an infant of days, or an old man that has not filled his days. So, in other words, we're not going to see uh, anymore this uh, tragedy that we've witnessed, where where life is just cut short, and and you see um, uh, terrorism, a lot of terrorism, where uh, you know babies are blown up, and 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 slaughtered and shot down, and and people, young people in their prime of life, are destroyed. Uh, this is what's happening in Jerusalem today. And God is saying, no, there shall be no more there in Jerusalem, an infant of days. So the infant is just a few days old. And in fact, it actually makes us think of what's going on in, in America, or well, really all the Western worlds, but it, this recent legislation in America around infanticide, that the baby's a few hours old, and they'll decide whether or not they'll let it live and they'll kill it. Well, God is saying this is not going to happen anymore. No more will there be an infant of days, nor an old man that has not filled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old. But the sinner, being a hundred years old, shall be accursed. Or even instead of but, you could say and. So this but is just provided. So um, the idea being, there's no more premature death. There's no more terrorism, there's no more people coming in and slaughtering, cutting people's lives short. That people will live live out their lives. And if they, they, for whatever reason, choose not to follow God, well, that's the end of that story for them. But it'll not be because their lives were cut short. And they shall build houses and inhabit them. So again, this whole notion of uh, terrorism and slaughter and war, no, no, this is over. They're going to be able to build houses and they can also live in them. And they shall plant vineyards. And eat the fruit of them, and this really, if um, uh, you could say, it kind of contradicts or, or, or resolves or ends what we read in Zechariah, where we see uh, in Zechariah fourteen verse one, uh, we see the houses ravished, we see we see people just moving in and, and just destroying the city, and and men's wives being taken. Well, God's saying that's not going to happen anymore. They, they shall be, My people will build houses and inhabit them. They'll build the houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. So those following Esau and, and believing in Sharia believe that they have the right to take whatever they want. This is the, the, the booty, that they have the right to claim. And, and the jizya, which is this ter- terrible tax that just impoverishes and so the Jews had to, have had to build and will have to build while the, the followers of Esau will just be able to inhabit and, and, and put their feet up and, and, and have no work ethic. They'll just take. But God says, I'm, this, this is over. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people. So my people are just going to flourish. And my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. So this is reversing uh, the, this, this, you can see here between the lines, the, the enslavement of the Jews will end. So, so someone somewhere has an ideology that tells them that it's okay. It, in fact, it's good that God is pleased when they move in and wipe out God's people and wipe and, and enslave God's people and, and burn down Jerusalem. And so there's some kind of ideology in the Middle East that is telling people and people who are following Esau that it's okay for them to go into Jerusalem and take whatever they want and enslave the people. And God is coming along now and saying, yeah, I'm going to put a stop to that. And no more. You're never going to see that again. And so my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not be enslaved anymore. They shall not labor in vain, so laboring for their slave masters, nor bring forth for trouble, and and just living under a a, a rule that is just misery for them, and and bringing forth children into the world that have to suffer under this misery. That will be over. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord. This is why. And this is the hatred that Esau has had for these people, and the envy and the bitterness that Ishmael has had for these people because of their identity and god is saying yeah it's because of their identity this is why they're going to have this privileged position this is why i'm going to stop this oppression for they are the seed of the blessed of the lord and their offspring with them they all descend from this man israel and they all descend from this man isaac and from this man abraham And God has a covenant with Abraham that he is going to fulfill in Israel. And God knows the DNA of these people. And he's going to make sure that the word that has gone forth from his mouth, it will be fulfilled. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. And I know these are prophecies that we read uh, very often at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. But what we want to do now is read it in the context of the whole of 2nd Isaiah and the commitment that God has to his people. And that, he, that after all of the slaughter and, and oppression and enslavement and captivity that they've gone through, now he's bringing this relief. And the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. And the lion shall eat straw like the bullock. And the dust shall be the serpent's meat. So the serpent will not be poisonous or deadly. It'll just be happy with the dust. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. So this place, Jerusalem, is going to be a real place of rejoicing and peace. And people are going to be coming to Jerusalem. And there'll be no uh, hurt or destruction from these these beings in this part of the, the world. Thus says the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool footstool where is the house that you would build for me and where is the place where is the house that you would build for me and where is the place of my rest for all those things has my hand made and all those things have been says the lord but to this man will i look so he's telling the, the prophet in fact is informing israel what he's looking for but to this man will i look because there's going to be a separation and some within Israel are going to be some within Israel are going to be destroyed, and some within Israel are going to be blessed and have this tremendous blessing. And so God is saying, "Look, this is what I'm looking for. I don't need your ritualistic uh, religion. What I need is truth." But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at my word. So this is what God is looking for, and in fact, this is what was quoted by Stephen. When he gave his sermon, he says, Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as says the prophet, he's quoting Isaiah. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has not my hand made all these things? And so Isaiah goes on to say, so Stephen was quoting Isaiah, He that kills an ox is as if he slew a man. He that sacrifices a lamb as if he cut off a dog's neck. So God is not looking for this. They, they, they are in this ritualistic religion thinking God is pleased with these things. And God is saying, this is not what I'm looking for. These things actually have no meaning if your heart is not right. He that offers an oblation as if he offered swine's blood. And so their, their righteousness is as filthy rags. And they can't get over themselves because they're full of self-righteousness if they're carrying out these rituals and thinking that this is something to God. And God is saying, no, I'm not looking for this. He that burns incense as if he blessed an idol Yes, they have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations. I also will choose their delusions. So this is the future, that God is choosing their delusions and will bring their fears upon them. So these people live in fear. They, they believe that they've got military power and maybe the power of America to uh, support them. And God is saying, no, I, I'm going to bring your fears upon you. Why? Because when I called, none did answer. When I spoke, they did not hear, but they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I delighted not. And so we have to ask ourselves, when did God call to them? Did he call to them directly? Well, he gave us instructions to cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. So God wants a people who are crying aloud and not sparing so that they can hear their transgressions and then respond, hopefully. But if they, if they don't, God says, well, this is going to come upon you. It's the, it's, it's the watchman, Ezekiel 33, that when the watchman sees the sword on the land, we have to warn them. Hey, the sword is on the land. The sword of Islam is on the land. It's in every Western nation. They're building up Sharia communities. We have 1,400 years of history to see how this thing works. If only we will just dust off history books and go and study what happened, because it's happening. There, there's, there, there's an instruction book, there, there's, a, there's a playbook, there's source code, that they're just following the source code. It doesn't matter what human beings come and go, they're carrying out the ideology according to the source code. So let's go to the source code, which is the Quran and the Sunnah. That is the Hadith and, and the, 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 uh, the biography of, of, of Muhammad, because the Quran tells them over and over, I think it's 89 times, that Muhammad is the perfect example. So we just have to study Muhammad and see what he did. And that's what these people who are born, and the people come and go for 1,400 years, and they all carry this out. The sword is on the land. And so we have to tell them, the sword is on the land, and the blood is going to be shed. But at least we told them the sword is on the land. Hear the word of the Lord, you that tremble at his word, your brethren that hated you. So again, there's this division of Israel. That there are those who respond, and that there are those who hate those that respond. Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake. And this again is quoted by Christ when he says in Matthew 24 that you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. So this name's sake, the Holy One of Israel, right here in Isaiah, we can just see it all in Isaiah, 2nd Isaiah, that there's an issue with God's name. And we understand the issue because we understand the very thing that makes God God is th- his truthfulness of his word and the covenant that he has entered into with Abraham and with Israel. And so he is the Holy One of Israel and Israel is forever. And so it's because of this recognition that Israel is forever and that God is the God of Israel that you're going to be cast out for my, for my name's sake. And we're seeing this anti-Semitism rising all around the world as as the western world is making accommodation for these new entrants uh, as, as they're being invaded but he shall appear to your joy and they shall be ashamed a voice of noise from the city a voice from the temple a voice of the lord that renders recompense to his enemies before she travailed she brought forth so god is saying look this is going to be instant from from god's perspective, Before she went into full labor, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or this is the day of God's vengeance. Or shall a nation be born at once? So when God comes, this nation is going to be born at once. For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth, says the Lord? Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb, says your God? So God, there's, some, there's a birthing process that's taking place here. And, and all of this that's going on are just the labor pains as Zion is laboring to bring forth this new child, this nation, this spiritual nation to God. Rejoice you with Jerusalem and be glad with her all you that love her Rejoice for joy with her all you that mourn for her so as Christians our focus needs to be on Jerusalem and and Many Christians couldn't care less about Jerusalem. We need to care about Jerusalem And we need to understand that God has a plan for Jerusalem and it's not what we saw in 1948 a lot of Christians believe that that was God working to bring all the Jews to fulfill these prophecies. This is That's ridiculous. There's so much wickedness taking place in Jerusalem today that if anything, 1948 was the mechanism to bring the Jews to Jerusalem for the slaughter that Isaiah speaks of. But it certainly isn't for the righteousness that Isaiah speaks of because that's just not there, not yet. But it's coming. It's coming and it's going to come with the return of Christ. He says... Rejoice with her, that you may suck and be satisfied with the breasts of her consolations. Again, when this nation is born at once, it's not born in its full strength. It's not born in its full glory. And, and when we saw that, when we talk about the sun coming into its strength, it, it grows into its strength. And so this nation, when it's born, and it's going to be born on two levels. There's going to be a spiritual level, and there's going to be a physical level. And in both cases, they're going to grow into full brightness, and that physical level will eventually converge and come into the spiritual level as the fall harvest is fully realized. That you may suck and be satisfied with the breast of her consolations. So, so there is a, a, a comfort that, um, that th- th- there's a, a level of comfort that the people of uh, God, the, the nation of uh, Judah and Jerusalem, or Judah and uh, Israel, um, there's, there's a comfort that they're going to experience. He says that you may be satisfied with the breasts of her consolation, that you may, uh, in fact, uh, be delighted with the abundance of her glory. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her. God, th- This is God's intent. It has always been his intent. And anybody who tells us differently, uh, they just don't understand the God of Israel. And and they're they're basically lying. Unless you understand God's plan for Israel, you do not understand the the true God of the universe. His whole intent is to be glorified in Israel. And so he says, For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. This is God's intent. It's not to burn down Jerusalem and, and destroy every Jew. No, I will extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream so all of the wealth of the gentiles is just going to be constantly flowing to jerusalem as they come to honor the god of israel then shall you suck you shall be born upon her sides and be dandled upon her knees as one whom his mother comforts so again that that just to have that um, image in our minds of of a woman just comforting her child this is how Jerusalem and how Israel will be treated. As one whom his mother comforts, so will I comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. And when you see this, your heart shall rejoice. This is, this is going to be a time of great rejoicing for Israel. When you see this, your heart will rejoice, and your bones shall flourish like a herb, and the hand of the Lord shall be known toward his servants, and his indignation toward his enemies you do not want to be on the wrong side of god either as a as the people of god or the gentile peoples so there's this so within the people of god there's a separation and those who will not repent and then there are the gentile nations who are just taken up with uh, being seduced and used by the devil and deceived by the devil and all these enemies of god will have his indignation he says for behold the lord will come with fire And with his chariots like a whirlwind. This is why Christians can be patient. And this is why the Jews need to learn that God is coming to save them and that their God, in fact, is Jesus Christ, the one whom they've pierced. And he's coming with fire. And Zechariah 12 shows us this. And with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword will the Lord plead with all flesh. And the slain of the Lord shall be many. Uh, you know, um, John, when he says that, behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also, with, with, which pierced him, they'll also see him. And then he says, and all kindreds of the earth will wail because of him. And then he says this, even so, amen. Oh, well. Even so, this is the way it has to be. And so, when we read that the slain of the Lord shall be many, we say, even so. Amen. They that sanctify themselves and purify themselves in the gardens behind one tree in the midst, these are God's people, eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse shall be destroyed together, says the Lord. So they just... refuse to take God seriously and it wouldn't surprise me in fact if a lot of these are the communists that are Jewish people that are taken over by this communist ideology and just hate God and we're seeing two ideologies sweeping the world today and it's sort of a race which one will have the global dominance communism Marxism or Islam and so we're seeing this and that's why it wouldn't surprise me if these people who are just so um rebellious it's just outright rebellious eating swine's flesh and purifying themselves in the gardens behind a tree and just involved in paganism uh, will be destroyed together for I know their works and their thoughts it shall come that I will gather all nations and tongues and they shall come and see my glory this is where this is where we're heading and I will set a sign among them and I will send those that escape of them unto the nation's to Tarshish, Pool, and Lud, and draw the bow to Tubal and Javan, to the Is afar of off. So I believe all of these are just Middle Eastern nations, and we understand that the Middle East is taken over by all a common ideology, that have not heard my fame, neither have seen my glory. And they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. So this is it's all, all the confusion is over, and everybody now understands who the true God is. And they shall bring all your brethren For an offering unto the Lord out of all nations upon horses and in chariots and in litters and upon mules and upon swift beasts to my holy mountain Jerusalem. Again, we constantly see God saying he's going to gather, he's going to gather, he's going to gather to fulfill Deuteronomy 30. That once they come to this place of repentance, all the places where God has scattered them, they're going to be gathered and brought back to the promised land, says the Lord. As the children of israel bring an offering and a clean vessel into the house of the lord and i will also take of them for priests and for levites says the lord and so i think the way to interpret that is these are the children that are being brought in that he will take of them for priests and for levites uh it could yeah that's how i think i would i would interpret that for as the new heavens and the new earth which i will make shall remain before me says the lord so shall your seed and your name remain. And so there's this whole controversy around the name of Israel in the end time. It is such a hated name in the end time. And then God comes and says, this name will remain. And I will be glorified glorified in Israel forever. And I will be known as the Holy One of Israel. And so those who really understand the gospel, we will be hated for His name's sake and then God comes to validate everything that we were saying was true. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me. And so, you know, all these uh, Christians who claim that the Sabbath is done away, uh, it's very clear here that there's th- the Sabbath is very much on God's mind, and God will not accept worship that breaks the Sabbath. And, and the Sabbath will not just include, when he says from one Sabbath to another, that does just not just include the weekly Sabbath. It includes all of his Sabbaths, which are outlined in Leviticus 23. And so from one new moon to another, as we're using the moons to count and understand when the days, the, the, the days of uh, uh, God's divine appointments are, that's how we know when all flesh, so it's not just the Jews, it's not just the Christians, the whole world is going to come under this Uh, proper worship system. So all those Christians who are worshiping on on Sunday according to the pagan sun god, that's all over. That's a deception that has now been ended. And we see Zechariah saying the same thing. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up and come not that have no rain, so the first no rain to sort of encourage them, you better wake up and come, there shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And so by heathen, that we know Egypt is a Muslim country, and so God is saying, these are heathens. And if they refuse, if they're so full of this uh, Edomite hatred toward Israel, that they will not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles and worship with their Jewish brethren, then I will smite them with the plague this shall be the punishment of egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles so from one new moon to another you need the moons to understand when the feast of tabernacles begins you need the moons to understand all the holy days within leviticus 23. it's a whole worship system that depends upon using the sun and moon as 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 appointment setters to know when to worship god and god continues now in isaiah 66 and they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. So, this is a very, very serious matter. You do not want to be on the wrong side of God. And all these men that have been so bitter and so hasty and so cruel and, and have no regard for God and are full of blasphemy, even in, within the Israelite tribes, they're all going to be carcasses. And they will, he says, and they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me, for their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. So all flesh will abhor them. And this again, you know, they, these people that are, are going to be abhorred. So who are these people that are going to be abhorred? Well, Malachi tells us, whereas Edom says, we are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they shall rebuild, they, they shall try to build, but I will, I will throw down. I, I personally will destroy whatever they try to build. And they shall call them the border of wickedness, the people against whom the Lord has indignation forever. So they are just so furious. They will not come and worship and, and build up the tabernacles. Instead, they are having their own ideology. They are stuck to their Edomite ideology. And God says, yeah, no, I'm not going to allow that anymore. And I'm going to destroy you. And you're going to be a people that are abhorred forever. And that's, the, that's what God says of Edom. They'll be the people against whom the Lord has indignation forever. And your eyes shall see and you shall say, the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. And I think that's a great way to use Malachi to close off what Isaiah has been saying all along, that God is committed to Israel. And it's a process. He's the potter. It's a process that he's taking them through because he will be magnified from the border of Israel right out Throughout the whole world and all the world will come to Israel to worship the true God and we and we do see that in Revelation and I think at some point I want to go back to Revelation you know God willing and just unpack this a bit more so that is the end of Isaiah that takes us to uh, the end of 2nd Isaiah What what a journey it has been what a journey it has been a lot that we've uncovered I would ask you to go back through Uh, what we've studied read now that we've unpacked it line by line I'll go back and and, and read it and maybe come back next week Uh, God willing Murray and I will will come together and we'll just sort of close off and do a review of what we've learned uh, in second Isaiah answer any questions or entertain any comments that you may have and then God willing I want to do a couple of other books uh, smaller books before returning to first isaiah and we did quote a lot from first isaiah as we were studying second isaiah so i think we've got a good feel so i just you know i want to pray about it and think about it how to tackle uh first isaiah um and maybe it's by covering these other prophets that we actually dip into first isaiah and bring out uh scriptures in first isaiah that maybe we haven't covered yet but i'll I'll give that a thought and and pray about and see how how i feel god is leading me but uh next week god willing we'll do a review of uh second isaiah and then after that, um, God willing, we'll cover some other books and then figure out how to handle 1st um, Isaiah. So uh, I want to just thank you so much, especially there are many that I know that have been here from the very beginning and have been with us through all of these, these chapters, uh, the sort of New Testament Isaiah. And we've kind of grown together in our understanding. And there are many that have joined us along the way. And maybe you've gone back to catch up. And we do have an archive. We, we've studied uh, all of 2nd Isaiah. That is from chapter 40 to 66. We've studied the book of Revelation. We've studied Hebrews. We've studied Luke and Acts. Um, we've studied Philippians. There, there are a number of scriptures that we have uh, already studied. And, and they're all in the archive. So that said, as I mentioned, uh, the, I think I mentioned at the beginning, uh, I actually have a, a business meeting on Wednesday evening. So I've recorded this uh, lesson on Sunday afternoon so that it would be available uh for you on wednesday evening i'm hoping that the meeting will be over and i can kind of jump on the chat and at least say good night and i also want to make sure that i wish you uh those of you who understand the plan of god and, and the worship system of god want to wish you all a wonderful and most meaningful and and just inspiring passover and passover season and as i say hopefully i'll be able to jump on the chat and be able to uh, wish you in in real time but in case i don't have a wonderful passover season i hope that uh, your passover observance will be made all the more meaningful having studied second isaiah seeing the power of the blood of jesus christ and what it enables and how he's able to carry out his plan for all of mankind as a result of what he has done and what he is doing for these people israel and the grafted in israel and this whole tremendous plan of god that is all dependent upon the the whole and righteous sacrifice of our lord and savior jesus christ what a mighty and wonderful god we serve thank you again for uh, staying with us and uh, god willing we'll uh, connect on the chat and certainly god willing we'll connect uh, please come next week with questions comments uh, any concerns and we could just have uh and and just insights and we can just have a great uh, summary of what we've learned in 2nd Isaiah. God bless.